Corner to Three movie podcast for Ant-Man and Wa- the Wasp? The Ant-Man? Oh, jeez. Oh, God. What is this thing called? The Ant-Man and a Wasp. All right. Uh, my name is Tom Chick. To talk right. about this movie, I have brought along Christian Mulroney. It's Ulysses S. Gurowski. Uh, and with an Ant-Man and Wasp tagline, Kelly Wand. Finally, a witty Marvel superhero who's bug-themed. <laughs> Are there more, Kelly Wand? <laughs> Is making CG smaller really a superpower? <laughs> Keep them coming. Michelle Pfeiffer's first superhero sequel since Grease 2. I mean Batman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> I like these so far. They're not, not a clunker amongst them, Kelly Wand. Finally, a movie that ants and wasps can watch together. Okay, well. Clunker! <laughs> Rated R. And I went, all right, hopefully one of these hits, and then I stopped writing them. Right. Well, Dingus, tell the listeners, don't spoil it. First of all, tell them what it's actually called. It's just a Ant-Man. We talked about this before, and I forgot. It's an Ant-Man and the Wasp. She's a specific one. He's just a generic one. There's no particular Ant-Man, right? Did I get that Which right? Which is funny because there's more than one Wasp, too. So the, even that doesn't make sense. Because her mom was the Wasp. All right, we'll get, it, we'll get to your source so, material stuff. And, <laughs> oh, oh, you're right. No, her, yeah, yeah. Okay, I forgot the, about that. Her yes, source material. Okay. Anyway, this week we saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> that should have a hyphen, too, like between the... the <laughs> Kelly, heard enough from you. You're a 2018 cool. American action adventure science fiction fantasy superhero Marvel Comics franchise sequel movie, the 20th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jesus. About an ant, a wasp, and a wardrobe. It was directed by Peyton Reed and written by Chris McKenna Ugh. and Eric Summers Ugh. and Paul Rudd. Oh. And Andrew Barr and Gabriel Ferrari. Jeez. How many did it take to do that? All of them? Oh my God. And they it. still had a lot of flour. It's still in the bowl. <laughs> yeah, they should have added some more water. Uh, it stars Paul Rudd, Benjamin Lilly, Ugh. Michael Pena, mm. Hannah John Kamen. And or as I like to call her, Swarthy Emily Blunt. Oh, Swarthy Blunt. All right, very nice. Frumpy Dunst. Swarthy Dunst. Right, right. We have Swarthy, Swarthy Blunt. Emily Blunt, Frumpy Dunst, and Fat Russell Crowe. Those are some of my favorite actor types. You're welcome, me too. And Randall Park. Um, Ant Dash Man and The Wasp is rated PG 13 for some sci fi action violence. I agree with the sum. Yeah. Kelly Wan, what else did that does this rating need to, to, to let parents know about Ant Man and the Wasp? I was mostly satisfied with uh, what I saw for as far as kids seeing it, so I give it a ratings uh, colon um, some situations. <laughs> some situations throughout. So dig this. Wow. On Rotten Tomatoes, eighty six percent of the reviews are positive. That bodes well. This has got to be a good movie. On Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews, not quite super enthusiastic, but 70 out of 100. Cinema score, however, uh-oh, A-minus. 
Ooh. The same that's, as that's low. That's the same as that Jurassic Park bedroom dinosaur movie. Maybe they got confused though, and they thought, "Oh, it's like Ant Man, like an A and a hyphen." Well, they gave Ant Man an A. They they threw the hyphen in for Ant Man and the Wasp. So it did, however, open at number one, and it beat the first movie's take by about twenty million. It made seventy six million dollars in its first weekend. So uh, we want it. Guess we're getting more of these. Yeah. <laughs> Are we? Well, uh, you know, it, it, the first one made fifty-seven million in the first weekend. This one seventy-six million. The multipliers tend to be, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, they're gonna crank these out. Well, also, well, you know, we'll talk about it in a little it's bit. Kelly Wand, before we get into specifics, go ahead and give us an ant mopsis and waspopsis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't get the re- the real title right, right, exactly, oh. yeah. Are you? And you know, here's the thing. This is I harder. I could get the real title if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I don't mean of your synopsis. I mean of the movie that Peyton Reed foisted upon us. I don't like it as a title, and I don't think it fits the movie, but we'll get into that. Yes, we foisted. will. Foisted. Wow. Foisted, right. yeah. That's a little bit of a spoiler. You, you heard me, Dingus. <laughs> I heard you foist. All right, Kelly Wand. Rock and roll. Drive it like you stole it. Ant Man is a very good friend. <laughs> Does he say that? That's, I know that's not true on this podcast. <laughs> Ant Man and the Wopsis. Michael Douglas stares at Evangeline Lilly and goes, Telling you I shrank your mom was the hardest line I ever tried to remember since greed's good. What am I, a scientist? Evangeline <laughs> says something. Some Marvel Comics pages get ants on them. An exterminator sprays them, and the fumes spell out Ant-Man and the Wopsis. Ant-Man plays with his daughter in the dark. He's all, isn't this great? What's your name, Connor? The little girl's all, <laughs> the little girl's all, Dad, I can't even see the CG. That's the 3D, honey. Ironically, they don't mix well. He trips and falls down a water slide that he accidentally left on his stairs. Then he holds up a small trophy that says, honorable mention, good effort at perfect attendance, grandma. He says, Connor, the micro treasure. This has daddy's CG in it, so be sure to keep it at school near tons of klepto 10-year-olds and grandmas. All right, baby? Suddenly, he notices that his foot smashed through the wall of his house. His ankle bracelet's all boop. An Asian <laughs> FBI guy's all, Ant-Man, stop using paper mache to build your house walls. Also... Probably should have asked you this at your arraignment. Your background in electronic security and ability to change size have no answer for an ankle bracelet, I hope. Red's all. By the way, is this your card? He tries to pull an ace of spades out of the Asian guy's ear, but it gets stuck. He tries to tweeze it out with his fingers, but they get stuck in Park's other ear. Dingus, dressed as a Jet Xer, stands up, turns on a lighter, and goes, Red! What the hell? What? Dingus, you like him. The Asian guy smiles at Connor and goes, do you know why your daddy was arrested? Because he drew walls on Captain America and broke the Sokovia Accords. What's your favorite accord? The daughter's all, my dad fought on Captain America's side. How's that drawing on him? The Asian guy sighs. Kids, so stupid. Although he's under house arrest, Red drives Connor back to his ex-wife's mansion and they all stand on the porch while Red makes her new husband hug him. 
he's that Italian Danny Houston guy from Win Win and usually something else I just saw. Red's all, hey, watch this. He vomits some playing cards. He's all, yeah, I'm interviewing today for about uh, 31 Flavors to get my ice cream job back. So they asked for my social security. I'm just going to do this. They nod and shut the door on him. Rudd plays the drums and takes magic card lessons online, even though he already knows them. He listens to the Partridge family theme. He watches Donald Sutherland teach physics in Animal House. And then he has nightmares about CG and Sutherland. Then he gets bored and calls Michael Douglas. He's all, dude, dreamed you were married to Gwyneth Paltrow in one movie. Boy, this ice cream's got a chalky undertaste. He falls asleep. When he wakes up, he's in a toy car being driven by Evangeline Lilly. Some giant pigeons stare pityingly in at them through the windows and lose interest. Rudd's all, hey, sorry I tried to murder Iron Man in Germany without inviting you. She's all, I hate you, my mom. (laughs) We're in love. By the way, how'd you trick my ankle bracelet? There's a cutaway shot of a giant ant wearing an ankle bracelet in the house trying to eat Connor. Lily's all, <laughs> now to park the car. She hits a button that makes the rest of the earth miniature so that her car could take up three spaces. <laughs> that was a good CG. As they ride up in an elevator, Rudd's all, oh, this is where you're living? In an elevator? Look, you need money. Wait, I have money? Lily takes him into a room filled with ants and CG and Michael Douglas. Wasp is all. Me and Michael Douglas made this machine here to find my aunt mom. (laughs) She spits something out of her mouth, winds it around her finger, and goes, Mom. (laughs) I was a little drunk. Red's all. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. uh, I think your mom put a message in my head. Because I had a nightmare that I was playing hide-and-seek with a little girl. Although I was also playing that with my actual daughter at the time. So maybe she's like a nightmare to me. Douglas shakes him and goes, Was she a wardrobe? (laughs) (laughs) Red's all, no, she was a big closet with a lion and a witch in it. Danny Dingus. (laughs) Sorry. You always do that. I guess great your, minds. You're your Tolkien. I'm C.S. Lewis. Oh, I had to make fun of it. What else can you say about it? <laughs> Rudd continues after watching me talk to Dingus. Also, uh, I destroyed the Ant-Man suit, because what if power like that got in the hands of someone dumb instead of me? They go to Walton Goggins' house to buy some seeds <laughs> they need. Walton Goggins is all. I think you'll find many subtle differences between my Tomb Raider villain and this character. <laughs> <if you're determined. laughs> that was weeks ago. <laughs> One. Boy, is he on a hot street? <laughs> Wasp turns small with wings and murders Goggins' kitchen staff by running on their knives and making their kitchen appliances defective. (laughs) Red smirks at Douglas and goes, Wings and blasters? Guess I didn't have those in the first movie. Douglas is all, yeah, you did. Red gets sad, so he climbs onto a chandelier. The Goggins gunmen start to raise their guns at him. Goggins is all, not my sacred chandelier. 
I look over at Edgar Wright sulking beside me and go, boy, fuck Thanos. This Goggins character is terrifying and textual. <laughs> Watch and learn, bro. <laughs> Wasp kills a guy with a salt shaker. Then a Hispanic girl in a white robot suit shows up, ineffectively hassles them for a couple minutes. And kind of ass- <laughs> And runs off. <laughs> runs off. Wow, who's that? Oh, boy. Flickering in and out of focus. That was like impossible for me to beat strategically. God, that's a bat. Now, I mean, shrinking's cool, but whoa. <laughs> Douglas is all great. Now, where should our characters say more exposition? <laughs> Foster, Douglas, whatever. Red smirks. There is one place I can think of. Douglas is all, no, 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 no. (laughs) Cut to Ant-Man walking into the ice cream parlor where all his ethnic friends hang out. Douglas didn't want to see them. Red's all, guys, this is Michael Douglas and the chick from Lost. I'm in love with one of them, and the other's my favorite hobbit. <laughs> what the? Why do I have a small desk? His oh, Hispanic friend, Michael Pena's all, because your Ant-Man essay? Wasp is all, something, something, rummage sale. Red's all, by the way, a Hispanic white robot girl that we encountered was so powerful... She ran away. <laughs> His Russian chum, or Cheshun, Hani, is all, ah, Baba Yaga, the bitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously, the bitch character mythos from my country. Hispanic white robot, you say, bitch, Baba Yaga. <laughs> Meanwhile, the white robot Latina person goes into her CG shower stall slash bathroom. <laughs> loses interest in talking to us. Lawrence Fishburne walks up, closed sliding glass doors, and goes, Uh, since you're CG and Hispanic, I'm naming you after the wolf on Game of Thrones. Uh, and Patrick Swayze. She doesn't answer. So Lawrence Fishburne walks into a classroom, looks at some student extras, and goes, <clears throat> In the DC Universe, I played Superman's J. Jonah Jameson. Um... But like Ryan Reynolds, I've totally changed payroll companies. Okay, I'm noticing a lot of glazed eyes out there. Get out. Meanwhile, in Ant-Man's ice cream parlor, Douglas puts down a dictionary and goes, and that's what phasing is. Wasp is all, you just read us the definition of phrasing. Red's all, by the way, I slept for three days while watching Civil War. Fishburn walks in. He's all, do you think that's air you're breathing? <laughs> Douglas is all, why is my name Pim, but Pfeiffer's and Lily's Van Dyne? And who casts me as a character named Hank? Fishburne smacks Red's chest and goes, hey, when I fought Captain America, my dick grew 21 feet. How about yours? Red's all, 65. Evangeline's all, if you two are done comparing foot sizes, God! Fishburne smirks at Douglas. By the way, only Pfeiffer could put up with you, and she paid the price. Although I bet she probably made more than any of us on this for, what, two minutes holding a couple heads? Douglas is all, son of a... 
Fishburne runs away giggling. Rudd stares at a metal prop for a minute and then goes, Mr. Douglas, your appliance here might work if you diffract the quantum fractals from your windmill and maybe purge the lift over here a couple carries. Douglas and Evangeline whistle at each other, impressed by his knowledge of physics. Lily's all, like Tom thinks a black lady yelled at him once, don't shut up, genius. That's what I expected. Red's all, by the way, I was kidding before. The old suit, I didn't destroy it. Instead, I mailed it to a character named Louise. That's my nickname for my daughter, Connor. I also put it in a grandma trophy that she keeps at school for some reason. To make the other kids feel inferior? I guess she doesn't have any real grandmas in this. Instead of just calling the daughter and having her bring them the trophy, Ant-Man and the Wasp break into a school. Paul Rudd gets stuck in a locker. Wasp laughs at him. Then Paul Rudd hits the wrong button on something, so he turns into a midget in a hoodie. Well, <laughs> he's like only two feet tall, and everyone at the school is 13. A guy's all, hey, where's your hall pass? Rudd tricks him by running away. The hall monitor smiles approvingly. When Rudd gets into Douglas's suspiciously parked van in front of the school for underage minors, <laughs> Douglas scowls at Rudd's tininess and goes... You want me to get you some Jews and a piece of string? <laughs> Red's all, do you really have that? As Douglas drives through some pedestrians, he's all, so where's Hawkeye? Rod, Red holds up an ant in his hand and goes, hey, check it out. I call him Ulysses S. Gur Ant, and also Ant for Abraham Mandible Lincoln Thorax. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Ghost captures them. Rudd wakes up to find himself, Wasp, and Douglas tied to chairs while Ghost and Fishburne stare at them. Fishburne looks at Rudd and goes, I hate Douglas's character because years ago he made some CG we bought together blow up. So I gave Ghost here a teddy bear. Ghost is all, The government promised to kill me. Now my motivation is being upset. Also, then if I lose interest in my character, my body fades out. But if he can find some Michelle Pfeiffer character, it might do something or whatever. Suddenly, Red's daughter calls on his phone. Daddy, daddy, la, 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 la. I can't find my sock. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Red eventually gets Fishburne to hang up on her. Douglas is all, guys, I'm having a heart attack. My pills are in my gun there. Oh, ow. <laughs> Red's all, come on, help him. Help him. You hate his character. Help him. <laughs> they hand Douglas his gun, which knocks out Fishburne and Ghost and undoes Red's rope knots. Red's all, ha ha, they cared about your health. Losers. They get in a van and drive around. Wasp is all, oh, I sure hope I'm ready. Red's all, yeah, going subatomics, trippy. By now your mom's probably like George Jefferson. She's all, no, man, I, I hope I'm ready to see my mom again. Oh, man, I'm going to miss her. I want to see her. That's my entire motivation. It's all I ever talk about. But I just hope I'm ready to see her. See what I'm saying? That's why my name in this is Hope. Red's all, it is? She's all, yeah, the Empire named me. Kasdan did some punch-up. Meanwhile, Goggins <laughs> invades the ice cream parlor. He chuckles. He, ch he chuckles at Michael. at Michaelpedia, and goes, "Meet my friend Oozbon. He's got a little something in a needle for you." 
Pena's all, man, Paul Rudd sure loads dishwasher stupid. I guess I live with him. Also, uh, he's with Michael Douglas right now in the woods. And boy, I say this truth serum is really strong. Who's buns all? My characterization is that for some reason I don't like the phrase truth serum. Also, I haven't injected you yet. Pena's all, hey, if it walks like a duck. Usbon looks at Goggins and goes, he's like a human jukebox. Goggins is all, yeah, jukeboxes spill secrets and can't be turned off. Great analogy, Usbon. Meanwhile, Michael Douglas's mansion, Rudd's all. So I say we put the sprinkles over here, Rocky Road over there. Wasp is all, Rudd, we didn't come here to open another ice cream parlor. Why are they called parlors? It's not a dairy term. We're here to turn on a machine and make Michelle Pfeiffer normal size for a scene. My mom. Rudd's all, oh. Uh, suddenly he messes his hair and goes, oh, wait, I'm being possessed by Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, <laughs> a little unclear. Uh, my, those drapes are atrocious. Uh, Nicholson wasn't acting in Wolf, except when he peed on Spader. That wasn't pee. Also, I got to fix the algorithm. He sits and types at an unplugged laptop till some paddle wheel CG clicks on behind him. Douglas looks at Rudd lustfully and goes, clever girl. Rudd smiles at Lily and goes, I miss breastfeeding you, and so does Pfeiffer's character. She says to meet her in the quantum something beyond the two hours probability century alignment thing place fix and post. <laughs> Mom, stay alive. I will, Jelly Bean, although Pfeiffer has doubts. Rudd's phone rings. Yes, Pena. <sighs> hey, I say the feds are coming to your house to arrest you for how you load dishwashers. Also, uh, you're out of Dr. Pepper. Damn. Good work, Chucky. He hangs up, looks at Douglas and Lily and goes, uh, 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 I really wanted to do the mom thing, but my Hispanic friend sold us out to the feds. So I got to go home pretend to vomit while my daughter lies to government agents. Um, can I borrow the suit again? They scowl at him. He's all, oh, Pfeiffer also told me to tell you to just leave her alone. She likes it in the micro world. Ten minutes later in Rudd's bathroom. Uh, uh, oh, man, this is the funnest family blockbuster since Ocean's 8. <laughs> he looks at Randall Park and goes, I can also do this with playing cards. Leslie Mann's all, hey, what's FBI stand for? Fucking bullshit of investigation? She smirks triumphantly. <laughs> Rudd wipes vomits from, his, <laughs> vomits from his lips onto his daughter tells her, Honey, I knew we were supposed to watch dinner with schmucks today, but Daddy met a girl that he likes a lot more than Mommy. And this new girl's Mommy is stuck in some CG, okay? <laughs> the kid's all, You should definitely blow me off and help Evangeline Lily. I've never met her, but she's in this slightly more than Mommy. And I love when Michael shot her in the hatch. <laughs> Red's all, I don't want to have to hurt you. I mean, wait, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. The daughter's all, I don't care what you do in this at all. Meanwhile, the government captures Douglas and Lily because Chucky calls them and tells them more stuff they forgot to interrogate him about. For some reason, the government uses a non-electrified, unguarded chain-link fence to try to contain prisoners who can turn ant-sized. Lily's all, my character is frustrated. Douglas is all. No, she's not. They look at the fence. Suddenly, Rudd, ant size, smirks at them from one of the links. He's wearing an ant suit. He's all. Did someone say character? Douglas is all. Damn it, Rudd. You may be able to shrink us out of federal custody, but what am I supposed to wear? 
Rudd smirks and holds up an FBI jacket. Douglas is all, no, 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 no. <laughs> gotcha. Rudd makes them go outside with him and makes a toy van big. He's all, sure hope the toy cars have real engines in them. Suddenly he looks at Lily. Hi. She tries to smile back. Tell me about it. He's all, you can say that again. She's all, I'll say. Douglas is all, when you two lightweights are done, can we get to the second unit driving footage, please? (laughs) Good boy. I got a Justice League cameo in 15. I think I'm Flash's grandmother. (laughs) Rudd's all, my pen pal says we should make a list. One, fight ghost. Two, make a list. Wait, make that two-way. Just A, B, negative. Pena shows up in an orange van beside them and goes, what's up? He honks his horn. It does a General Lee thing. Rudd's all, Chucky here has never failed us until recently and repeatedly. Plus, I thought we could use his idle remarks. Pena licks his lips at Evangeline and goes, hey, I really like your suit and your dad's jacket. Lily's all, well, I know wasps aren't ordinarily black, but Spider-Man's costume's also pretty unlike uh, most arachnid species in the New York area, so cock and balls. <laughs> uh, Pages all, oh, not that suit. I meant your bikini and lost. Wait, sorry, I'm thinking of Maggie Grace, but you were awesome as Arwen. Fishbird walks up. Ghost is afraid. She's afraid. Rudd's all way ahead of you. He points using his forehead. They all look to see Ghost locked in a van across the street. She pounds on its windows angrily. Rudd smirks at us and goes, little something called misdirection. Suddenly, Walton Goggins shows up in a different van and drives around near them while Paul Rudd somehow finds and domesticates a flying ant and rides it around saying things. Lily's all, watch this. She shrinks her van, drives under the enemy van, then regrows her van, which pops the other van off her as like a cork into some pedestrians. Forks pudding. <laughs> Side me, Pierce Brosnan rolls his eyes in disgust. Lily's all, yeah, usually that just puts the other van on top of mine, and then I just drive around like that, stacked with another van on mine. But watch this. She accelerates and ruins Lombard Street. <laughs> Right on his walkie-talkies all. Uh, guys, uh, Pfeiffer and the Flying Ant both wanted me to ask, seriously, another car chase. Next, they trick Stan Lee by making his car go off screen. Just like ants would. Stan's all, ah, oh, the 60s were great, but now I'm paying for it. Oh, fucking Ant-Man 2. Jesus, why would I die? Ant-Man turns big and uses a truck as a skateboard while people inside a nearby restaurant watch Infinity War on their phones. (laughs) (laughs) When Kierden shakes me awake, Michael Douglas is flying around inner space in an inner space ship staring at giant CG paramecia. Paramecia Oh, they're really just the pigeon CG tinted yellow. The Paramecia find Douglas is driving annoying and crowd around his ship. Their expression's irritable. Douglas is all, damn it, Pfeiffer. You never told me how beautiful these bacterial infection monsters are. <laughs> his computer's all, computer, recalibrating. Eventually, Douglas tricks the monsters by his computer finally working. Meanwhile, Pena tricks some of Goggins' butlers by somehow knowing how to shrink and then grow a sports car with fire decals on its doors. 
and driving it around. More cars. I guess you already had that. Should rewrite that. Meanwhile, giant man knocks, kicks over other cars and forgets how to make himself normal size and asks passersby if they've seen Walton Goggins carrying a movie prop. Some seagulls <laughs> attack Rudd while he watches Goggins ride a ferry. <laughs> Rudd turns big and attacks the boat. The boat captains all. Don't worry, folks. Superheroes attack us all the time. Spider-Man, <laughs> Jason Voorhees, nothing to worry about. Rudd shows Goggins who's smarter by nudging him a couple inches with his giant finger. <laughs> Rudd's all, since my brain's way bigger now, I talk slower. <laughs> he gets bored and falls asleep in some water. But luckily, Evangeline Lilly can see perfectly underwater from a great distance, just like wasps. Meanwhile, Douglas trips balls on CG till he finds a house populated with characters trolling him. <laughs> Suddenly, a cloaked figure shows up, takes off a gas mask, and goes, I'm Michelle Pfeiffer. Sorry you couldn't find your wife. Douglas makes her <laughs> hug him. Beside me, Morgan Freeman's all. I give this movie a seven. Douglas yawns on Pfeiffer and goes, Whoa, how'd you just make CG come out of your hands? never seen that in a Marvel movie. They smile at each other and drive around in CG. Meanwhile, Ghost and Fishburn fight inconclusively. She wins by pushing him off screen. Then she turns on a machine, gets into her shower stall bedroom, and starts vibrating. Wasp is all, oh, she turned on the CG. That's somehow bad for Pfeiffer. (laughs) Ant-Man, who I guess is awake now, fights Ghost by kicking her in the cooch a few times. They flip the switch. Everything is fixed. Pfeiffer walks on screen. She and Wasp hug. Wasp is all, no more last-minute business trips, okay? Everybody laughs. Except for Fishburn, who's in a coma from when Ghost pushed him. Pfeiffer feels Ghost scowl with her hands on her face and goes, Oh, you're CG. I can feel it. Ugh. They touch heads. Eventually, Pfeiffer's off. Ta-da! And walks away. Red stares at Evangeline and goes, Whoa, did you know she could do that? For some reason, Douglas looks pissed off Ant-Man would ask that. Meanwhile, Goggins' friends are about to have sex with Pena, but some extras in blue baseball caps show up and tase them. Everybody laughs. Some cops show up, snap cuffs on Goggins and go, you're under arrest for carrying a building model onto a ferry. (laughs) Goggins I know you didn't ask me about this, but I committed health code violations at my restaurant, Goggins' Tacos. <laughs> Tom, it's a taco. Place. I would totally eat it, Goggins. Goggins. I would too. I love that. Yeah. I pictured like a whole commercial and he's smiling. Walton, if you're listening, make it happen. Goggins is tacos. There's two for the one. <laughs> Beside him, Ooze Bonds all. Whoa, it really is truth serum. Oh, everybody laughs. Goggins kind of ruined the Ooze Bond line. Meanwhile. <laughs> Ant 
Ant-Man tricks Randall Park by somehow making an empty giant suit stand upright against a building and then eventually <laughs> arbitrarily lose shape. <laughs> That's a I look over at Pink Hulk sitting beside me and go, I know which character I am. Rudd goes home and plays drums while Randall Park and his friends show up and scowl at his ankle bracelet. Since Rudd's no longer vomiting, Park and Rudd make dinner plans. The phone rings. (laughs) (laughs) The phone rings. Pena picks it up and goes, hello? He hangs it up and goes, no way. Hey, everybody, I just got a job busting tables for Galactus. Everybody feigns interest. Douglas and Viper unshrink a beach house. Rudd and his daughter try to watch the 50s movie Them at a drive-in, but Rudd gets his head stuck in the glove compartment, so the Partridge family plays. After some words tell me who eventually found where Stanley parked his car, Rudd sits in some CG and goes, Okay, guys, count me down. On a building, Douglas, Pfeiffer, and Lily are all, Okay, five, four, three. They all suddenly turn to Ash. The director walks on screen and goes, This was actually our original ending before we even... <laughs> <laughs> Rudd's all guys uh oh well at least I reunited Pfeiffer with her loved ones <laughs> in death some words tell me who CG'd the ankle bracelets the end what the fuck was that <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk Ant Man and the Wasp. I'll go first. Uh, my over and under are movies with Paul Rudd in them that I hate. <laughs> my under That's is a small uh, list. I would hope. He's uh, it actually Hot Wet is. Summer's got to be on this. Actually, it's not. No, because oh, I, I think these are the so uh, Hot Wet Summer. I think is better than the other two. I'm going to tell you about. So the, the very bottom is They Came Together, which is another David Wayne movie. Oh, I love uh, that one. I know you do. Of course you do. I, I cannot stand they came together. This Love is it. above that. Uh, however, this is underneath a movie. And the only reason it's underneath it, because this other movie is just terrible and it's hugely disappointing. Uh, but it's Paul Rudd cast, in a, miscast really, in a really weird part. So it's a terrible movie. It's Duncan Jones' latest movie. It's called Mute, and it was on Netflix. And it's literally about... What if you were an Amish mute person in a cyberpunk future? Like that's the that's the premise. It's ridiculous, uh, and the villain is played by Paul Rudd with this just ridiculous looking like mutton chop mustache thing, uh, and he's supposed to be like a vicious killer at a certain point, but he's also doing some super lighthearted Paul Rudd stuff, and he's chumming around with his kid and it's just really it's a terrible movie paul rudd's terribly miscast i can't stand it but it's kind of fascinating to watch paul rudd in mute uh in a very different way than than this where i I, this movie just i didn't care for the the humor was either forced or flat all the drama the drama was all contrived techno babble and nobody had any chemistry so didn't like it dingus what's an over what's an under what did you think of ant-man and the wasp um, okay, so for my under, I went with uh, a movie that tried to cram too much into it, 
And that was uh, – and Kelly Wand already brought this up, and it just so happens that it's a Michelle Pfeiffer movie. It's Batman Returns. Um, my main problem with uh, the original Batman movie, which I didn't care for, the Tim Burton one, um, was that there was that there was too much villain in it and uh, too much Jack Nicholson just leering and uh, and not enough Batman. Uh, I didn't think that Batman could handle – the amount of goofiness that Joker was doing. And to solve that, they threw in another villain. Hey, let's, let's cram two more villains into this. Um, and that I thought that good. this movie just tried to cram so much crap into it when that's not what this movie should have been. This movie should not have been a movie that crammed a bunch of crap into it. That's not where this should exist. And I've talked about this in various ways in, in the Marvel's universe, I see these as chapters in a novel, and you you segment them, and, and some of them are lighter, and some of them are darker, uh, and the Ant-Man thing can be a lighter chapter, but you, you can't try to make it into a let's cram everything into it kind of a chapter, because the, the strength of the movie, I think, is, is in some of the family stuff that goes on that's really kind of sweet. The early stuff in the movie is really kind of sweet. Um, the stuff between Paul Rudd and his daughter is really kind of sweet and i'll talk about that in a little bit um and but when the movie is, is just just shoving so many things into it it ugh, uh i really i really disliked this movie quite a bit and i liked the first one a lot um as you can see if you are here if you listen to our first podcast so for the over i would put uh, uh spider-man homecoming which i think um which even though i didn't uh, i didn't like that movie very much when we did the podcast, I think understood where it stood in the universe. Um, one of the things I complained about was that Spider-Man isn't dealing with this like huge big deal. And I think Tom argued against that, uh, maybe rightly that, well, sometimes maybe they're just dealing with small things. Um, and I wish this movie would have dealt with small things a little bit more and in keeping with the idea of it being a movie about miniatures <laughs> As the final credits showed, uh, I think it should have been a little bit of a smaller movie. Um, it could have had huge action sequences, but with more of a smaller, I don't know, a smaller sensibility. Uh, but as it is, it's just such a mess of editing. Everything about it, uh, other than a few things here and there, just really were disappointing to me. I just, I just really disliked this movie. Kelly Wand, what's an over and an under, and what did you think? And then we'll uh, open the discussion. <laughs> I thought – I went into this movie going, oh, their challenge is going to be being kind of a light, funny Ant-Man kind of movie right after Infinity War. But this, from the second it started, I went, wait, this movie has way – it wouldn't have mattered when this thing came out. And I was a big fan of the first movie too. I thought it was really trippy. I thought it was funny. I thought it was loose, and I liked the characters. Did they even try to give Evangeline Lily jokes in this? She's boring as shit. She wants her mom back, and I don't remember her joking on Lost that much. So maybe – I remember she had like a strange energy, but – and maybe she can't do jokes. But it seems weird that he's funny and she's not, um, and she's just super earnest on it. 
and all the jokes are terrible. It seems like really stupid writing that Rudd's family doesn't disappear at the end, and then he would have had to rely on them instead of reuniting these characters who just spent two hours invested in. It's embarrassingly stupid. My over's Ant-Man, my under's Doctor Strange, which I think I was slightly more bored in than I was even <laughs> But Jesus Christ, I really thought, because I liked the first Ant-Man too, and I was uh, kind of shocked. Like, it seemed, it felt like a DC or Ghost Rider, like pre-Iron Man Marvel. It just, it just smelled. I didn't like anything. I didn't like the action. I didn't like the jokes. I didn't like the characters. Next. What else? All right. I don't uh, have so you guys it. are the you guys are the defender. Like I, for for me, this is just a continuation of. So Peyton Reed, who directed this, uh, I I was in love with what he did early in his career. He comes from uh, from from comedy. Uh, he did a uh, 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 Bring It On. That was like his first big hit. Uh, mm. he write his own ticket after that. Then he did just an adorable little movie, which is such an anomaly because it's a it's a callback. To movies that I don't understand, that I don't know, a movie called Down with Love, and I think Down with Love is a superbly crafted uh, gem. Down with I, Love is I intricate. Agree with you. Yeah. It's a beautiful, intricate movie. It has a, a very strong, distinct voice, confident actors. Peyton Reed knows what he's doing with them, and ever since then, I just think the guy has just—he's done a lot of TV. He's done weird, different types of movies. I didn't like the first Ant Man. I just—I'm so over Peyton Reed. I think he is just completely just churning out product at this point. So, this uh, I'm not that surprised that it was as, that I didn't like it. I should say. Yeah. Uh, so, Dingus, you mentioned some of the early stuff you liked with the daughter, and I know you guys liked the first one. Uh, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what did this get from the first one that, that you get? Like, like, well, let me just ask you this way: Did it carry over anything from the first one effectively? Uh, for me, it did. Uh, I I really like the sense that uh, from the first one, uh, where where there's this there's this real tension as he gets out of prison and um, he crashes the daughter's. Um, birthday party and he gets in trouble with the wife and Bobby Cannavale who's a cop and trying to arrest them um, and constantly after him and there's this this real weird tension of like uh, you can lose custody altogether I mean there's this real uh, th- there are real stakes there uh, as far as he's concerned um, and it carries that over in a little way in that the fact that at the end of that movie, the family, because they've been through this great traumatic situation, and they realize that, okay, um, Scott's a pretty good guy, and he's not just constantly going to choose the wrong thing to do. He's he's actually a hero, and he's not just the hero his daughter thinks he is, which is one of the lines that, that his mother says to him. Um, he's not just that. He is actually a hero. Uh, and I love the way that this movie starts with this weird um, playtime, you know, in this tunnel that you don't quite know what it is. And then it's it's slowly revealed. Oh, it's just it's just playtime. And then you realize it's you know, this dude who, you know, has to entertain a 10 year old for days on end, which you know, if you have to stay in the house all day long and entertain a 10 year old, it can be difficult. Um I like how all of that works. I, I like the way that works. I like the 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 way that the 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 whole the whole other family comes and hugs him, 
I mean, I think that there's sort of a, a, a bit of beauty to that, and they could have done more with that. Uh, I like the the sort of, you know, kicking through the fence, and, and that's what sets off the the house arrest alarm. Um, uh, and And I like, ultimately, why this explains him not being involved in Infinity Wars. How does it explain been, that? Because I didn't – yeah, because I, I – Afterwards, I was sort of scratching my head thinking, well, wait, he should have been around for Infinity Wars, right? What did, well, he's, what did I miss? Because he's been under house arrest. Um, but, you know, of course, that that's, trumps. of course, that's subverted here because, you know, once the opportunity is for him not to be under house arrest. Yeah, it's never. You know, and, and we have a, a, a new writer in her named Eric Geithner who wrote some really cool stuff that I want to get into in a little bit. He said a couple of things that I, that I was really thinking as well. Um, he saw it with his wife, and neither, neither of them were really into it. Um, but he said that how come Batman doesn't help out with any of the battles in Infinity War then? I mean, if, if he can just run off and do this for this, then why doesn't he do that for that? Cause I did but at think least that, the movie that, tries to explain that. Oh, well, because I don't get that as an explanation mm-hmm. at all. That makes uh, Yeah, if that's its attempt at trying, I like the movie even less. <laughs> Cause well, I, I think that is the movie's attempt at explaining that, that he's been under house arrest for two weak. years, and that's why he wasn't Yeah, I, I agree with you, yeah, but yeah. I think the movie is trying to do that. But I like the idea of the of the father and daughter and them playing in this little tunnel and then you realize oh it's just them playing and they they do they don't even real quick they don't even mention anything going on like they they mention sokovia accords but they don't say anything about thanos or this crazy wizard in london yeah yeah no nothing about wakanda like it it seemed to me like they were more like kind of hoping you wouldn't notice uh, and it didn't even occur to me, Dingus. I'm sure you're right. The the ankle bracelet, the house arrest, was was their solution. That didn't even occur to me. They us. said I, it in Infinity War. I think War. that is. Um, they but, said it in Infinity War. Yeah. They go, Where's Ant Man? And they go, He's under house arrest. And I think they said Hawkeye was too. And I'm like, Why are they both? Hawkeye wasn't even at that battle. So why is he? At oh, house okay. Arrest? Like they mentioned, he was at that battle. Stuff. Hawkeye was. Yeah, he was at the Civil War battle. No, I mean Infinity War. Sorry. Yeah, so Kelly Wan, you you paid way closer attention Wait. to Infinity War than I did because that's a good no, catch. Then very good. The the well, the, the thing that puts them under house arrest is being at the at the battle in that's Civil War. Right, 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 right. So but I think to um, say that Infinity War. So so that's the justification for it. But I, it I kind of agree with you, Tom, that it doesn't really make this. sense. Yeah, given the superhero structure of movies, um, but it's it's a justification, uh, and it's. It's a little bit weak, but it at least gives you a sense of – I mean because because Paul Rudd's character, Scott, is, is very much a man of this um, – he's got balance. He's, he has a hard time balancing priorities, let's say, <laughs> uh, because he wants to be a good dad, but he also wants to be a superhero, and he wants to uh, do what he can to also be like a Robin Hood kind of character. Um so that's it's difficult for him to balance all these things, and now he's been confined to his house. And in order to get his daughter back, or to, or in order to not go into prison for twenty years, he has to do this thing. Uh, so he has to be in this house for two years, which also doesn't come across because he's leaving all the time anyway. And uh, why is it's what about your whole plot being let's let's save Michelle Pfeiffer and then kill her? <laughs> 
that kind of gets to what Dingus was mentioning before, and that there, there, that's a cool premise, by the way. Wait, real quick, was Michelle Pfeiffer at all in the first one? Mm, I forget what he sees in the in the in the quantum realm because we were told it was her, or he thought it was her. No, I, I know that, but, but was but Michelle Pfeiffer the actress in the first? No, movie? she was. Okay, oh, I she, don't even remember. Yeah. Okay, so I, I I liked her in this, and I think it gets to what Dingus is saying about just cramming more stuff in there, and I mean I don't I. There, I have so many issues with this movie that that one would be pretty low on the list. But I think that gets to what Dingus is talking about. That, that That's kind of a cool premise is, hey, let's go rescue your long-lost mom. Let's delve into one of the characters' backstories, and let's cull from that some sort of drama or tension or longing or absence. Um, and let's let's use that as the basis for the movie. I, like, I, I think it should have run with that more. Than all of this, because it's super. By the way, it is so clunky when Larry Fishburne shows up, and it feels like twenty minutes of him explaining someone yeah. else's backstory that we're going to so introduce. Boring. It's so forced too, and it really is just Larry Fishburne narrating backstory, just in the middle of, and that that just sap that sucks all the oxygen out of the room at that point. Why would he want to do that? It just felt it, it, like why is that even in the script? Uh, how they, how they sell him that role and how – I mean like Michelle Pfeiffer, they go, well, the whole movie is about finding you. Like I can see where they tricked her. But like Fishburne, that's so thankless. Mm, he's he's Dave's done plenty of crap. I mean he showed well, up for like two minutes in John Wick 2. I mean I'm right, not saying that's exactly. crap at the same thing, but Fishburne will show up for a paycheck. I don't I think that's right. – I can't begrudge him that. Well, and, well, and For to me, be fair, the, the whole Ava, like the Hannah John Kamen mo- – like extended monologue of who I am and why I phase went on forever. And as much as as compelling as I find that actress from Tomb Raider as well, uh, I was just like, Oh, come on. Do I have to listen to this whole, you just stand here and do, and do a monologue. <laughs> it really honestly? is like an actor coming out, standing in the center of the stage with no adornment and just talking at you. <laughs> yeah. And you get nothing out of it. You get nothing. It just I, undercuts the whole Pfeiffer storyline. There's, there's nothing no that you could do it. visually that would, that would, Cover all of that, and so she just boring. stands She's there and talks. Power. And for what? And what do you? My guess is that they they needed it to introduce some sort of drama or tension or peril in terms of rescuing Michelle Pfeiffer. Like I would have liked the idea that they could have maybe explored what this quantum level stuff is, but rather than get anything for that, because they just showed up. You, there's a big old blimp sized tardigrade, uh, and then they they bring her out. There's no tension. There's no drama. I think it's a certain point they have to like reboot something, whatever. But I think that's what they oh. felt they needed to do with Ghost is. Make somebody want to kill Michelle Pfeiffer. You have Goggins. And then, and then give her a sympathetic backstory. Ugh, like not just a villain. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea either. But I, I just sort of looking between the lines, I think that's what I felt. Nothing was. that they were going for. Well, right, right. It's a terrible movie. Point. Of course, of course, you right, did. right. And you know, and even in Chris Markinson, uh, one of the three people who wrote in said that said something like that about like you know for as much of this quantum world talk which they even make fun of do you just do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything yeah. um chris says you know do uh, for all their quantum world talk do they understand the quantum world at all um, i mean it's you know it's interesting to have the tardigrades show up but i don't know that 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 covers like and this is something that chris said and that eric geitner said what is she eating for 30 years? I mean, what is that I whole know. world about? What's going on yes. there? Yeah, right. Let's, exactly. Let's explore some of that because obviously there's something going on. 
Yeah. yeah, it's just like the Doctor Doom place in the Fantastic Four, where Doom just sits there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Quit making us think of that movie, Kelly Wand. I, get, <laughs> I want to hear more about what, what Mark had said and Geithner say. Uh, but just before I forget, I want to say one good thing about this because I couldn't think of anything before, and it finally occurred to me. I did kind of like what Randall Park was doing, and I liked. I really like his characters. He kind of reminded me of the Maya Rudolph character in Sisters, where he has sort of this really. He wants to have dinner with him. He's trying to be threat. I don't know. It, I at least understand his jokes. Like those jokes, he had called <laughs> around. Or is it? Like, that's this is more entertaining to me than anything else you're giving me. Instead of the Evangeline Lily shit, he's I, really I, good. I like that guy a lot. I mean, I know him best from, as this as the guy who plays um, the who plays Jim in the Office in one of Jim's pranks against Dwight. He's from um, the Office. He is just he? has. He has one little scene where where Dwight has to go to the dentist, and he sends uh, his actor friend in to pretend that he's Jim. And Dwight's like, you're not Jim. And he's like, yeah, Dwight, I've, I've been here for eight years. What are you talking about? Oh, it's just a guest appearance that he has. It's just a guest appearance. Okay, and, okay. Uh, but he's great in that little part. He, he well, was the, in Veep. He's been in a ton of things. The only moment – oh, right, Veep. Of course, Dingus. The yeah. only moment of, of effective chemistry well, – uh, the only moment of effective chemistry in this movie is that whole "I'll be seeing you again" yeah. bit at the very end with him and Paul Rudd. Like yes. they're adorable doing that together. They've yeah. obviously worked together. They have, they have a rapport. Like finally, like like you know, five minutes before the movie's over, Ugh. at last someone connects with someone else. Right. <laughs> like, You're so yeah, right about that. No one else. None of that was going on till then. Like, oh You're yeah. You're so okay. right about that because Kelly made a joke about that in his obsess, but. He made. I actually physically yawned when Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer kissed. I was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, because the, there's no chemistry there. There's no. In, there's no interest. There's just a bunch of miasma going on around them, and who knows why? And what are they stepping in? One of the issues too. I think it's terribly edited, where oh, someone will so deliver bad. a joke and they'll hold for someone else to like. Mug or react. Yeah. Um, Michael Pena. Like, poor Michael Pena. I mean, I like some uh, of these actors a lot. Uh, and I, I, when, you know, when Paul Rudd, I, I, I adore when Paul Rudd does different kinds of things. Like, I'm super bored of him doing this. But I, I like all of these actors, and they all can be good. But this movie's editing and direction and yeah. script did them no favor. Left them hanging out to dry. Yeah, yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way, I was so pleased with seeing her in Mother. I want to see her in more stuff. I think she looks awesome with like the white hair, and she's got like a I don't know a glaive or something on her back. And I yeah. I was like, yeah, she's cool. Let's like make a movie about her. Let me see what she did. I love seeing Michelle Pfeiffer again. Uh, but she's the best thing in that Dark Shadows we had to see. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that too. Yeah, she's always good, but they never give her anything good. Yeah, this is the yeah. worst thing they've been giving her. They've given her like even in the um what was that lame where she and De Niro are mobsters in France? Oh, the family. The family. Oh, the yeah, family. family. Oh right. my god. <laughs> oh Kelly. <laughs> Sorry. Kelly, you're you're so good at remembering movies that I've put out of my mind. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. I never stopped. Who, yeah. That was who's that, that directed by somebody it wasn't Scorsese. Who who directed it? It might have been uh oh. <laughs> I know why you think that because he goes to a Goodfellas right. symposium in it and talks to the French. That's oh. screen. Wasn't it the the professional guy, the uh, the guy? Oh shoot, who, like Valerian? What what? Luc Besson. Yeah, wasn't it Luc Besson? Oh, was it, it was a Luc Besson yeah. movie, but I don't know if it was Luc okay. directed by him. Right. 
But anyway, so I, I like the people in this. I loved seeing Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, but wasted. What? Yeah, yeah, totally wasted. Yeah. Um, so uh, here's here's something that um, that I was really thinking about as I watched the movie, and this is something that Eric Geithner uh, mentioned in his email. Um, the the first movie set up a set of rules. Uh, and this is something that I really appreciate. And I really talk about this when I'm talking to other writers about when they write science fiction or horror or zombies or whatever, because I've had because I I'm in a writing group and they have to talk about these things. I'm like, you need to set up a set of rules, no matter how absurd your universe is. You need to set up a set of rules so I trust you. And so the first movie sets up a set of rules, and the first movie says you have to wear it the mask in order to keep your head from going crazy you, you can't you know uh hank can't do it for these particular reasons and this movie seems to just throw all those things out the window in favor of us seeing the actors faces more so they just take yeah. off their masks whenever they feel like it and they play they go small whenever they feel like it uh, or they don't um hank pym can get in, can go ahead and go into whatever even though he's not able to do that in the first movie it this movie does not respect any of the rules that the first movie set up. And I really disdain that. And I mean, and I, I was just sitting there going, wait a minute, didn't I just see this in the first movie that, that you have to do this thing and you're just disregarding that? Uh, and I, I can't stand that. I, I understand uh, I that I'm talking about a comic book movie, but well, right, you're like one of those guys who doesn't like Constantine in the Keanu Reeves movie because Constantine's supposed to be blonde. No, that's not. Yeah, you're like a source. Yeah, you're like a source uh, material comic book nerd now, Dingus. No. <laughs> Dingus, embrace it. Own it. Come on. Uh, you're talking about you're talking about rules in a comic book movie. Own it. I'm talking about a continuation in within the same uni- within the same universe and media. I actually medium. know. What, were there writer? Was there writer overlap? Like, did they lose writers? Because that's another thing too. Is what happened to the sense of humor? I don't remember the God, first. Ew, even though I didn't question. like the first movie, I don't remember the first movie's humor being as flat and forced as this I one. I remember thinking it was funny, and and that's why I liked it. Did they and, change writers, or do we know what happened there? Oh, I, have, okay. I don't even know. So, so it's not just me then. So the, the first movie, this is this this movie just completely well, you didn't think different. the first one was funny, right? Right, but I didn't think this one, but. You guys also like this was not this was way worse than the first movie, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's tons worse than the first movie. It's scary movie too worse. Remind me of, and I'm not I'm not actually <laughs> uh, just needling you guys, but remind me of it's something that I would have thought was funny in Ant Man. Like, what's oh. a really funny bit from Ant Man that I've obviously forgotten about? Because I didn't hate it like I hated this. What's something funny? Because I can't think of anything funny in this other than Randall Park and Paul Rudd doing that. Because it, it's kind of a variation on that Jobin bit from "I Love You, Man." Is the the miscues between dudes talking to each other? <laughs> it's a great moment. So there's nothing other than that that I laughed at. Like I had my arms crossed in this this whole movie. I was like, "You're you're not funny at all." Uh, what's something that I would have liked in the first movie? Isn't he super dumb when he first gets his powers and he like falls into a shower drain? And he's there's a like whole yeah like shit? yeah like he's figuring out his yeah, it's like Spider Man being unable to swing well right? yeah yeah I okay, like his training cool. era That's and I remember cool. liking him working at the ice cream parlor which is why I kept writing. That's why you kept bringing up ice cream parlors yeah doesn't he work at Thirty One Flavors in the first no, no he gets he, fired yeah, from yeah, a basket, basket Robin, Robin. Robin. and the guy. Right. 
That's a good has, joke. That's funny. The guy right? has him in his office, and he's like, man, you're super yes. badass, but you're fired. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 Why yeah. can't they have done just one or two moments like that in this? That was good. You're right, you guys. That's what I was looking for. Something and actually, like the, the very first moment is funny for me. That whole weird – I mean, if it's not Paul Rudd, you, you, you wouldn't know it's going to be comedy, but that – he he's still in prison and he's in a prison fight and like the guy punches him and he punches him back. And that's their, that's their like, boy, you guys have the weirdest goodbye rituals. It's just, you know, they, they punch each other. And then he's like, man, I'm going to miss you, Scott. And it's just a sweet thing. See, Tom? Weird, sweet thing. Uh, Let's go back to the ice cream parlor bit. (laughs) But that humor's not in this. There's no, there's no edge here. And his family. That's the thing. I like. I go. Wait. It's kind of cute that his ex-wife and their new new husband. Like they're all friends. And then I go. But if they weren't, wouldn't that be better for the movie? (laughs) I didn't remember that Bobby Cannavale was a cop because I. When you mentioned that, I remember. But yeah, that's. Remember so that, that huge him. ant is under the table and leaves the uh, leaves their house and the, the cops like that's a oh, weird yeah. dog you know and uh, and that weird that totally weird stuffed animal that he gives his daughter at the birthday party which actually if you look at if you look at her I'm sorry if you if you look at her um, if you look at her IMDb pictures I think they kind of. I don't know. The, the face of it looks a little bit like her, like headshot. Um, but but then <laughs> but then they subvert it with this movie with this the world's greatest grandma joke. I mean, she gives him a bad gift. He uh, gave her a bad gift. Uh, but I I thought that was cute because she she love she loves him so much and he gives her this weird crazy gross thing. Um, Remember in the first one, he's fighting the guy at the end, and the guy flies into the bug zapper. And he's all way, but I guess it doesn't kill him, unfortunately. But that would have been a great death. But well, that was gone. Now they're big. Now they turn into giant heroes. And here we get jokes about car washes and dishwashers oh God, and furniture and Pez dispensers and a what's up joke. Boy, I haven't oh. heard a what's up joke in a while. It's, wow. about, time, it's about time for those to return. I've missed that. That, was... that makes me really like the Michael Pena. <laughs> that was truly <laughs> painful. He would totally do that. Well, they did actually... you guys like, like, like Michael Pena? Do we like him or did we like him in this? I like him, like him as him an actor. No, do you like know. him in that whole truth serum thing? Because no. that was just a repeat from the... They did that whole gag in the first no. movie. Like where he's narrating something and everybody talks as if well, that's, that's the callback, and that's fine. But the the truth serum thing, I mean, it, I, I kind of like that whole like well, you get to the point thing. I mean, that, I mean, I think he can he he can sell it. Mm-hmm. I remember the first movie; every action scene was a fucking car chase too. This movie, every scene's a car chase. All right, I will say, uh, I kind of liked the San Francisco car chase for a couple of reasons. Uh, really? The the music briefly was doing something that I was like, hey, that's kind of cool, and I don't even remember now what it was. But there were a couple of times that the music was like, oh, I kind of like that for a car chase. Uh, <laughs> I liked like cars shrinking and growing big. Uh, I kind of you know what? it's nice to see cars in San Francisco driving around that whole curvy street. Yeah, so I didn't. I've seen worse car chases. I'll give the movie that. They never get trampled. They never get run over, and that seemed like bullshit. Like, that's the first thing you think is you're like, oh, if you turn small, you'd actually be in a worse situation because now you're going slower. 
because you're having to travel. Oh, that's right. The surface area of your tires right. is completely. Oh my God, Kelly Wan, oh, the physics in this movie are completely off. You're right. Yeah, see. Because the circumference of the tire is dramatically reduced. The lift. Exactly. <laughs> and well, in this movie, she accelerates. She turns small and speeds up. Right. Because the there's less weight on the car. Right. <laughs> well, Chris Markinson is asking you that same thing. Can insects fly at these high speeds? And he also asks if Peyton Reed is a fan of the Deadpool uh, and the, the remote cars oh, and right, right, the remote right. car in that. Because that's you know, also San Francisco. Because yeah, yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. No. I don't, I don't Especially in San Francisco. You just need one ramp in your set or one sidewalk. Just go up on the sidewalk. thing is, who is our third writer in her? Uh, that would be Nick D. Huh? What did he have to say? Did, so, so did he, any of them like it? Nope. Okay. What did Nick D. Um, uh, Nick D. puts Marvel movies into three tiers. Mm, uh, I like this. Those tiers are transcendent. T E A R. Uh, those, what yes. tiers? Oh, very tiers. nice, very very well done. Jake. Like Avengers or Black Panther. Uh, uh, tier two would be movies that he finds enjoyable, but you won't remember a thing about in a day or two. And tier three are truly terrible, like Iron terrible. Man two. So he puts this in tier two. Um, he said he'd probably put it in tier two. He saw it with his eight-year-old son, and he liked it, but he's not going to remember anything other than the big shrinking building. And this is this is something that I really – this is something that I thought immediately, and I love that, that Nick brings this up because I thought this immediately, and I think that Eric talk, talked about it as well. You know, it's, it's very nice to shrink a building and then roll it around in a rolly suitcase. That's cute. But isn't everything going to fly off of all the tables and everything? <laughs> Uh, Dingus, I recently watched a miniseries on AMC, which I think is tremendous, called The Terror. And The Terror takes place on these sailing ships back in the, the 1800s. And one of the things that I've never seen in a sailing ship movie, maybe just because I haven't seen it, uh, I haven't looked for it or noticed it, uh, is they had they have brackets on the wall where when you're not sitting in a chair, you stick it into the bracket. Uh, and, and the table, the idea being that you can't just have loose furniture on the ship because it would roll and pitch around with the ship. Right. So the production design in the Terror was super conscientious about that. And I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Now I'm huh. going to notice in other sailing ship movies when they've just got like loose chairs and plates and stuff, uh, and that's going to bother me. So yeah, exactly. This whole uh, yeah, all that all that sensitive equipment in the building uh, getting jerked but, around. But, but there's but you also go in and it's it's a set. I mean, you see it. There's there's shit on all the the desks and all the tables and everything. And the moment you shrink it and you roll it somewhere, all that crap is going to fall all over the place and yeah. it's going to gum everything up. What it's going to happen? It tilts when it rolls. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So every time they they bring it back up to size, they're going to have to have a whole crew of people go in there <laughs> and put things back on the desks. I well, mean, that's what the, the what ants the hell there do you think is going to happen? I think oh, it's the, the ants. ants in there do that for oh, them. Oh, of course. They're trained. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. But that's, again, that's just the movie, like you said, just does not care about rules. It could not be arsed to establish any sort of rule, much less any consistent physics or anything. And that I bothers that bothers the hell out of me. Yeah. So at first, when I saw him make that into the little rolly suitcase, I was like, oh, that's funny. And then I thought, what about the coffee cup that you left on the desk? 
is it going to fall into the laptop that you left open because you had to leave immediately? I mean, th- these things are important, and you have to you have to make sure that you cover these things for people who are watching this, <laughs> who care about these types of things. I mean, maybe the average viewer won't, but maybe they will. Uh, but you have to cover viewers like me. I mean, you have to cover viewers like Nick. You have to cover viewers like Eric. Kiernan. Um. So and so Nick says. Uh, Ultimately, he's on the subject of how this fits into the overall narrative that includes Infinity War. In Infinity War, I'd say they whiffed. You're telling yeah. me Captain America isn't going to bust Scott Lang out of his house arrest to come help him save the world? It makes oh, no well. fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. So well, I'm I'm surprised Nick would it. put it in tier two because it seems squarely tier three material for me, according to. Yeah, oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So so here's something that uh, I I would like to bring up. Uh, Eric says that his wife um, really disagrees with, and I, I agree with her on this, uh, this, doesn't like the weird effeminate portrayal that – I mean I like the idea of the scene. This, this isn't how I saw the reunion happening um, that Paul Rudd does when Michelle Pfeiffer is supposedly oh. <laughs> him because he, he seems like he's just doing a like la-la-la and, and – for her, it was just like I don't know uh, a caricature. Right, this is how women talk and, and compose themselves. Right, <laughs> a, woman, a woman we haven't met yet either, so all we have is female character. Right, right, right. You know, uh, in Red's right. defense, but it's still dumb. Like it's not a funny scene. It's like right. they didn't want to be funny either. Well, that's they didn't the, want to offend the wife. <laughs> I was expecting too. I mean, there's so many missed opportunities. When he was the little two foot tall midget, I thought he was going to get trapped in a. Pardon. Yeah. I thought well, he was going to get like didn't pay it off. Go on. Right, I thought he was going to get trapped in a class with other kids or have to interact yeah. with the teacher. Like I thought there was going to be more than oh I'm short I'm going to run out of the building or like, get in a fight with a bully. Right, exactly. Like that's class. That's a that's a cool setup. Well, and run into just, the daughter for fuck's okay. sake. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that, that's literally yeah. the, the lowest. That's the most obvious like lowest common denominator thing that right. I would have expected to happen. But instead, not even that. He just goes. Yeah. Into they a, just put a blue, blue hoodie on him and make him into a hobbit. That's all they did. A one-shot joke that Michael does. Oh, it's so dumb. But she, (laughs) but I think she's totally right about it just being this like throwaway. And he, I love Paul Rudd, but he's not. He he didn't try. I don't think he tried to figure out because he's not acting. And this is something that she said. He's not acting the way she acts in the rest of the movie. But they probably made him. Go okay. You know, remember, you're having, it's kind of funny, but not too funny. But like, I don't know how. Like, given how bad everything else is in the movie, like, it's impossible for me to imagine but, that they gave him good. Like, okay, here's what's going on. You, well, Michelle Pfeiffer, her character talks like this. You're right, but but he's not portraying her the way that she, that she portrays Janet, and that's uh, Eric's wife's problem. And I agree with that. And the problem with the, the problem in this in for me is that they've crammed so much Walton Goggins crap into this which, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, that uh, that you don't have space for that that kind of like subtlety. The thing he is just, I yeah and I, I I bet to, I totally bet Kelly Wand is right with this idea that Okay, be funny, but not too funny, because they're probably thinking, because because Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly have to, they have to act like they're touched and this is moving yeah. to them, so it can't be funny. So poor Paul like Rudd, 
like the script is already horrible. Peyton Reed just I don't think has any sort of sense of interaction with the actors and what to tell them what to do. So Paul Rudd was probably just told be funny, but not too funny because it's a serious moment. Kelly Wan just right. said it like Ghost. Uh, so what's the poor guy gonna do? Yeah, uh, that didn't even occur to me watching it. Yeah, in Go Ghost ahead. is. Uh... Whoopi Goldberg reluctantly allows Patrick Swayze to possess her and then kind of like uh, touchy-feely with Demi Moore. But of course they show it as Patrick Swayze doing it and not Whoopi Goldberg doing it. What's the the movie where – oh, shoot. Meg Ryan inhabits the old man's body. It's from a play actually. It might even be a John Patrick Shannon play. Kiss the first kiss, something kiss. So you guys know what I'm talking about. And in the movie – Yeah, it's it's, it's based on a French movie. Alec Baldwin's in it, right? Um, I think it is like called the first kiss or or something like that. It is is a – I think it's called One Last Kiss. But, the- and it's kind of famous for the, the scene where the old man kisses. I think it's Alec Baldwin. And I, I, I mean, I guess I, I never had any confidence in the movie. But you could have done something like that here with – I guess that would have been – that's expecting too much. But I just remember what, what a weird touching scene that is in that movie. This must movie be a funny movie. movie. This a prelude to a kiss. I cheated and oh, looked prelude. Up. All right. Yeah, prelude, prelude to a kiss, and it's Craig Lucas, not John Patrick Shanley. Yeah, so it's a Craig Lucas script where uh, the the Meg Ryan has died, and she is channeled into this old man's body, and uh, Alec Baldwin. You know, she comes to Alec Baldwin in this form, and there's kind of a famous scene near the end where the old man and Alec Baldwin kiss. And presumably by this point in the movie, the actors, and I think the movie works, have conveyed it. it's not a gay kiss and it's not hey, some weird old man. It's actually Alec Baldwin reuniting with his dead wife. Like that's what the actors have to pull off with that. Um, and it's kind of a famous scene. I didn't expect anything like that here, but when Michael Douglas and, and Paul Rudd are kind of looking at each other, and I think it's supposed to be adoring, I couldn't help but think of that bit in uh, Prelude to a Kiss. Huh. And oh, because they hold hands, right? Because that's it. Because that's as far as the movie will go. Is they're holding hands, and Peyton Reed needs to make sure we get a shot of someone reacting to, "Whoa, we're yeah. holding hands." Wacky. This wow, is funny. That's weird. Yeah. Men holding hands. Who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> dare we say men might hug at some point why does Michelle Pfeiffer have a weapon <laughs> did she what was she, what was she well, fighting in there well the tardigrades I guess tardigrades are an actual well the tardigrades thing. aren't quantum by the way the tardigrades are on the way to the quantum area like tardigrades yeah. are just microscopic little uh, uh, organisms right. but, but yeah. in the quantum area what, are there things in there she's fighting? I mean, you mentioned before, Dingus, what did she eat? Uh, but they, they, someone had enough thought to give her a weapon to wear right. on her back. But the writers didn't have any concept of like what to – I don't know if that was a costuming choice or if it was a script direction. But they gave her a weapon, and we don't get to know anything about why or what it was used for. And she doesn't look like she's been in combat at all. She should look like shit. She should have – her. Suits all torn, like oh my god, the quantum realm thing got like Jumanji, like or, yeah, well, she, right. She's got awesome clothes that yeah. apparently she's sewn somehow. Well, my thinking is that she has mastered the quantum realm. You see, oh, yeah, right. and she's just stay there, dude, with a weapon, Tom. with the weapon. Yeah, I, I wonder if that. Well, actually, so now she's dust. Oh, what? Hmm. Yeah, and so's the uh, gun. What? <laughs> Great. Great ending. <laughs> Really, uh, really, you, really wove all that in. It's how do you feel about the six? Chris, Chris Markinson wants to know how you feel about the sixties music. The what music? Sixties music. 
it's, it's apropos of nothing going on in the movie, but All I don't right. care. God, I, mean, I don't even remember what was the '60s music. I get, I just remember that there was something in the car chase scene that I was like, oh, that music's not terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's time listening to the radio in the car during the car chase. <laughs> also, this movie's called Ant Man and the Wasp, which I guess is pandering to the to that guy's wife, who was like, "That's too funny. like." She's. I mean, it's a really boring female role, I thought, and not the same screen time, not not like a Captain Marvel level. Put her put her in the title. She and Paul Rudd together fighting for the whole movie, occasionally in a scene together. I just do not understand. Like eventually, Lily wasn't. They didn't give her any jokes because she's not funny. She's a horrible actress. Um, she's definitely not funny, and she needed to be funny in this. I would have thought. So I don't know why he's in love with her and why. Well, she's hot, but uh, she's just sure. just no chemistry and not funny. And it's the same problem with Lost. She got caught, cast in Lost because she's hot and she never connects with anyone and she's terrible, but she can stand there and look pretty. But they just kind of pretended in Lost that she was, yeah, see, Jack and Sawyer. Oh, oh, God, no. In Lost, they tried to make her like super tough and haunted and, oh, God, no. She, it, she it was just so. Father, bro. Oh, so dark and grim. That poor, yeah, such emotional gravity. <laughs> Thing is, you should watch Lost, all eight seasons. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. I, I still have to get through a, a few more seasons of Archer. Well, then oh, maybe just, just watch Battle of Five Armies a few times, because she's fine. You know what? If you put elf ears on her, because elves are like Vulcans. They don't have emotions, right? So you put Wait, elf ears on her, and it works down. fine. Yeah, write that down. That's rules. I think Michelle Pfeiffer should be in a movie about an American elf that takes over the United States with that white hair. And oh yeah, yeah. Her back. You know who she reminded me of, Dingus? Do you remember the the older woman? I don't. She had some crazy Celtic name. The uh, woman in the Survivalist who's traveling with Mia Goth. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, who yeah. had the white, the, the shock of like the, the long, thick white hair and the kind of severe face. Uh, it made me think of that woman when Michelle Pfeiffer had the, had the white hair. I love the that. The woman who says, don't come inside her. That, the thing is, you don't have to be gross about it. But yes, that woman. The, That's what yeah. Tom was thinking of. <laughs> okay, this is a PG-13 movie. By the way, they didn't even they, – they cut off their F-bomb. Like there was no F-bomb. Oh, first. yeah. It's Michelle so... – Evangeline Lilly was about to say something like, holy shit. Uh, and they, 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 they didn't even want to get that in there. Uh, it was like suck. so friendly. No, Walton Goggins got in, I think, a goddamn and maybe a few hells. But otherwise, no cussing. Very family-friendly affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expect more Marvel. Like you're supposed to be the edgy one, aren't you? Yeah, I don't no, understand Disney, this is a Marvel Disney movie. Marvel. It doesn't. It, it's, no. you know, I think that Nick D is totally right. They they completely whiffed on this. No, Nick it doesn't, D. It too, doesn't too. fit. It doesn't fit at all in this universe. It's terrible. It's got it's a Stan funny. Lee cameo, so it's got that. Yeah, going. yeah. It's got really what? It's got a Stan Lee, Lee cameo, so oh, it's got that Lord. going. Good lord. All right, well, that, the, answers, that answers Chris's question about 60s music, because he makes a 60s joke. Uh, this movie, I know it's time to review reviewers. I don't really know them personally, but, like, th- this is getting a, an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. And it's like, they're like, oh, wow, nice palate cleanser, nice and lighthearted after Infinity War. Okay, A, no, if you stay for the credits, and B... It's not. It's boring. Like it's definitely not. I'm surprised that they're. That's the contrast they're drawing. Like, well, oh, I was really later in tone. There's some nice scenes with families hugging. Oh, mm, I was really excited about that early on because I thought that that was going to lead to some really good, like, tight 
like like a tight character movie with with some right. really cool like comedy. action. Comedies and should be character based. And instead, it just sprawls. I mean, it's it's really upsetting. And and also, uh, you know, and I, I promised a couple of people that uh, I talked about on Twitter that I also saw it under ugly circumstances in that the theater that I saw it in projected it wrong, <laughs> which what? is crappy. Wait, just, we have a, we just have a crappy local theater that just doesn't have much quality control. Yeah, so and you saw the same conditions. It's the same when we saw uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell. They just, it, I think it's actually even the same screen, right, Dingus? I don't know. But it, yeah. it, uh, it's the, the same theater, but not the same screen that I saw um, Ghostbusters in, uh, where there was this weird flickering. And I, and I was really angry at the manager at that time. And I said, you know that that's going on. He's like, yeah, we know, but there's nothing we can do about it. And I'm like, well, you can't just sell You're tickets still for that. Me. Yeah. And he's like, well, here's a ticket to come to another movie. See, when they did watch. that to me, Dingus, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to come back here. Give me my money. And watch another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See if we can focus. get it right next time. Yeah. yeah. Why am I so depending for, on you again? Now I have to drive so, back here. You owe me for the gas. So this time I, I went in. It, it, because this particular theater, and I really do like this theater for other reasons. I mean, it's close by. It has great seats. Um, my kid really likes this theater. Uh, I went in. If you if you time it right, as Tom and I do, and and leave the house like just about the time the movie's supposed to start, you can get there right as the movie starts. And I walked in at the end of the last preview, which is some weird, which is some preview for an animated movie about princesses, and and. <laughs> And it looked all blurry, like like you're walking into well, a movie. Well, is really hard in that movie. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that you're not wearing 3D glasses for. And I went back out and said, is this supposed to be a 3D screening? Because I didn't buy a ticket for a 3D screening. And they said, no, it's not. It'll be fine once it starts. But it was all kind of off the whole movie. Then why are they showing it? That's stupid. Because, because most people don't care. I, I most think the people average don't person, care, yeah. Yeah. So they'll and, sell tickets and yeah. yeah, and I and I just thought, That's have dumb. my have my eyes finally gone? Is it just me? And then at the end, the credits seemed like weirdly ghosted. Um, See, because so, uh, what's her name in the movie? So I asked, I asked what's the her name? Who was gonna weirdly explain. ghosted? And Kelly Wong can't think of the name Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's so how I feel the, about her character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy who's going to clean the place. I had him come in, and I said. Um, Steve, why are you griefing the poor guy who's going to clean the place? I'm not griefing him. I'm just making sh- – I'm just getting, like, a validation. If and you ever like, have to ask Dingus, it is screwed up. Like, that, that's said, pretty much the gauge right there. Uh, he said, yeah, that's not right. Um, that's the cleaning. And we're like, we're like knew we're the totally answer. sorry. We're going to fix this. We are so, we're so sorry. We're going to get right on that. Well, they didn't then, because I saw the screening right after your stingus, and that was it was still broken. And again, it's just because they don't care. So uh, don't care. Regal Regal Cinemas, they're guilty of this. They're the huge national chain. Uh, nice work, Regal Cinemas, uh, here in Southern California. That's why. That's why I kind of think that's it's what worth Regal paying. means. Yeah, they, well, these days, yeah, we don't we don't care about monarchies here in the U.S. Yeah, but you uh, try to get away with that at the ArcLight. Well, that's the thing is the, I don't mind paying the extras of the arc light because I know right. that'll never like happen popcorn. there. I know also that yeah they exactly yeah it's just a different kind of clientele the, the type of people who go to this regal cinema don't care if something is out of focus. My right. dumb friend who's always wrong about everything doesn't like the arc light because he's <laughs> wait like, a minute don't talk about dingus that way. Hey, 
<laughs> All right, your dumb friend who's wrong about everything doesn't like the arc light. Why? He goes, because the signed seating is not democratic. And I'm like, what? You're an idiot. There's so many dumb things about what you just said. I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't even really want to even rebut that because it's so stupid. Yeah, go to Russia with your assigned seating, why don't you, Kelly Wan? <laughs> and he's one who always, like, it's all about him all the time anyway. Like, I need, hey, excuse me, bus passing by, I need directions. Like, yeah, you're real, you're real bad of the people. Whatever. <laughs> Just a little heads up on people I know. All right, Ant-Man and the Wasp. At least we got from it the, the idea of a Goggins Tacos restaurant. That I would Y'all? totally or Kelly one. Yeah. So good. You know it'd be sauce, just dripping. The other advantage mm. is I think it's gonna be uh, difficult to go lower than Ant Man and the Wasp for anything else we see this summer. Thank oh. you, Marvel. Let's like find that. out. Let's yeah. so let's I really put this to the test next week and go see Skyscraper. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Skyscraper, next week we will do it. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Merlocky. It's Christian Merlocky. And Kelly Wand. By the way, when you see Deckard this January, uh, I don't want to spoil every scene, but you do find out how uh, Rick Deckard got his last name. Everybody, it's me, Walton Goggins, down here at Walton Goggins' Tacos. Mm-hmm. The hot sauce is $3 off today. We got free napkins and extra towels and corn tortillas stacked to the skies. If you don't sell a taco that you had two bites of, you didn't go to Goggins Tacos. Your teeth will thank you. Your accent will thank you. Tomb Raider, where's the baby? And Don Sacos, we got tostadas, carnitas, carvelitas, cabanitas, those nacho chip flavored things. We got napkins and bags, and there's parking uh, across the street at the mall. Uh, it's $3, uh, no validation. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared. Then lucky observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Tom, Kelly went to Germany and drew on the walls. <laughs> <laughs>